I will sing with the Spirit and sing with the understanding. As that verse was just read for us, give thought and some consideration to all the different elements of worship that you and I as Christians practice. We sing, we pray, we teach and preach, we read scripture, we give of our means, and we have that Lord's Supper as a, as a memory to Christ. All of these things are part of that New Testament pattern that God has given us to worship him in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. Imagine for a moment that we practiced every single element of worship except for the element of prayer. Do you think that we could be pleasing to God in our worship service as an assembly to, go to, to never go to God in prayer, to thank him for that avenue of prayer and thank him for the blessings that we find in Jesus? Or imagine for a moment that we practice every element of worship except for that of teaching and preaching. We prayed, we sang songs, we read scripture. We practiced every element except for teaching and preaching. How would our souls and our spiritual well-being be nourished without the word of God? We are to sing with the spirit and sing with the understanding. This morning I want to cast the spotlight on that element of what it means to sing in our worship and the understanding of the songs that we sing. From beginning to end, the Bible stresses the importance and gives us examples of what singing is to God. When those Israelites, when they left the bondage of, of Egypt and they crossed over the Red Sea, they stopped and celebrated by singing a song written by Moses' sister Miriam. In 1 Kings 4.32, it's recorded that Solomon himself wrote over 1,000 songs. After the Last Supper, when Jesus and his disciples were there, before they departed, they stopped and they sang a song. And you remember Paul and Silas, they were in prison at midnight and they found themselves singing praise to God. And finally, the saints in heaven, we read in Revelation, they sing a new song. And it's my hope, and I know it's your hope too, that if we're found faithful and obedient, that we can be in that number singing a new song as they are. When we sing songs to God, we worship God. Likewise, when we choose not to sing, we choose not to worship. It's very important. When we choose to sing to God, we worship him. We sing songs that bring praise and honor and glory to God. We sing songs that build up our faith and encourage us in our walk with Christ. We sing songs that help prepare our minds for other areas of worship like the Lord's Supper. When we sing, we teach and we admonish, Colossians 3.16. So it's very important that we understand the words that we do sing. To sing with the Spirit and sing with the understanding simply means that our words and our songs are understandable and they're filled with the truth that is revealed in God's Word. They're not filled with man's ideas or agendas. I want to repeat that. To sing with the Spirit and sing with the understanding means that our songs are understandable and they're filled with the truth from God's Word. Now this morning we're going to look at some songs that we often sing here at Pippin. I know that we're all familiar with these songs and to do that I've chosen one very specific author to look at. Francis, or better known as Fanny J. Crosby. Fanny J. Crosby. Now there's no way that we could possibly look at every song that she's written this morning because she's written over 8,000 hymns in regards to praising and glorifying God and building up our faith. Fanny J. Crosby. Let's look at a brief background of who she is before we get into the songs that we're going to look at this morning. Fanny J. Crosby, she was born March 24th, 1820 in Putnam County, New York. 
and at six weeks old, she developed a very severe eye infection. And the doctor that was there to help her through this administered hot poultices on her eyes, and it caused severe scarring, and she was blind for the rest of her life. So at six weeks old, she became blind and was that way for the rest of her life. Later in her 80s, this is what she had to say about not only her situation of being blind, but about the doctor that did this to her. She said, I have not for a moment in more than 85 years felt a spark of resentment against him. For I always believed that the good Lord in his infinite mercy by the means consecrated me to the work that I am still permitted to do. When I remember how I have been blessed, how can I complain? Blindness cannot keep the sunlight of hope from the trustful soul. One of the easiest resolves that I formed in my heart was to leave all care to yesterday and to believe that the morning would bring forth its own peculiar joy. Now the lesson there for us should be obvious. Here's a woman who was blinded her entire life caused by somebody else, but she still found work to do for the Lord. And she didn't hold one spark of resentment towards this man. At 10 years old, she had a remarkable knowledge of God's word. At 10 years old, she could from memory quote the entire Pentateuch. That is those first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all from memory. She could also quote the book of Ruth, the book of Solomon, many of the Psalms and Proverbs. And again, from memory, she could quote the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a tremendous memory. She was a teacher of language and history. And again, she's written over 8,000 hymns. Many of these songs were written under fictitious names, names such as Rose Atherton, Florence Booth, Ella Dell, Francis Hope, James Apple, James Black, and W. Robert Lindsay. If you ever have a songbook and see these names, just know that it was written by Fanny J. Crosby. And she never wrote a single song until it was completely memorized in her head. Then she would have somebody write that song down. She died in 1915, just short of her 95th birthday, and her songs were literally known and sang worldwide. Songs that bring praise and honor to God, songs that have encouraged people in difficult times, and songs that are filled with truth from the Bible. For the remainder of the lesson, what we're gonna do, it's a little bit different format than what you're typically used to. We're gonna look at five different songs written by Fanny Crosby. And we're just going to pull out some different phrases and look at the truth that is revealed in God's word from these songs. And at the end of each song, I ask that you sing with me. We're going to sing one verse of each song. We're going to move fairly quick for time's sake. But go ahead and have your songbooks out and ready, if you will. The first song that we're going to look at is 238. And I want to thank Brother Jeff for not leading these songs. I gave him a list of songs not to sing, so we'd have that opportunity here this morning. Number 238, To God Be the Glory. You'll notice at the top, you have the title of the song. And on the left-hand side, you see the author's name of Fanny J. Crosby. And the man's name on the right, they're the ones who composed the music for the song. And the first verse reads like this. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. O come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. 
To God be the glory, great things he hath done. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, Therefore, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And when you consider how far-reaching that command is for us today, it's not just giving God glory in the assembly when we're at church. Every single area of our walk of life should bring glory to God. How we live, how we act, how we speak, our attitude, everything should give glory to God. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. The well-known passage of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. Untold number of sermons have been preached about that two-letter word, so, S-O. For God so loved the world. The reason that, that you and I are here and the hope that we have in heaven is, is because God so loved the world. Who yielded his life in atonement for sin... Galatians 1.4 says that Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Christ didn't go to the cross in a way that was begrudging. He yielded his life as an atonement for sin. John 10.18, the, the Lord said himself, No one takes it, that is his life, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. And you remember Paul tells the Romans in chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, that in rare cases, somebody might die for a righteous man. But Jesus came to this earth to die for us as lowly sinners. We often sing a song here entitled, At the Cross. And that song bears the words in it. Would he devote, that is Christ, would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Compared to the riches and glory found in God, we are but mere worms and mere lowly sinners. But thanks be to God that he loved us that much to yield his life as an atonement for sin. And open the life gate that all may go in. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have but one means and one way to get to heaven, and it's through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That all may go in. Mark 13, 10 says the gospel must be preached to all nations, not just one particular subset of people, but to all nations. And when Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, at the time of Paul's departure, he said, Therefore there is a crown of righteousness laid up to me, or for me, but not to me only, but to everyone who loves his appearing. The salvation that we find in Christ is available to all men, and open the life gate that all may go in. We're going to sing the first verse of this, 238. I ask that you join in with me. And I want you to consider, again, some of the truths. Number 249 is the next song that we're going to look at. 249, tell me the story of Jesus. The third verse reads like this. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever, I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper, love paid the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. You know, the death of Jesus, that story of his crucifixion, it's one that's gory, it's painful, it's detailed. 
All four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John collectively tell us how Jesus was scourged, he was beaten, he was spat upon and mocked, made fun of, and ultimately nailed to that cross on Calvary. And if that physical pain wasn't enough for him to endure, remember, may we never forget that Jesus took to that cross every sin that you've committed and that I've committed. If that physical pain wasn't enough, just imagine mentally and spiritually how he felt bearing every sin that the world has committed. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. The authenticity of the story of Jesus, of our faith, of our belief in God, all hinges on the one fact that Jesus does live again. If Jesus Christ is still in that grave as bones and rags, then everything that we believe, the reason we're here, is all in vain. Now there are those that have claimed they have found those bones and rags, but that is absolute nonsense to the highest degree. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ does live again. Loving that story so tender, clearer than ever, I see. I think one of the unique elements about how Fanny Crosby writes, as you'll notice many times, she uses phrases like this, clearer than ever, I see. She was blind. But thanks be to God, through the power of his word, she could see how tender and how that story of Jesus was filled with love. Stay, let me weep while you whisper, love paid the ransom for me. Revelation 1.5 tells us that Christ has freed us from our sins. When Jesus went to that cross, he didn't just go to the cross for himself or for a few people. He went because of you and because of me. If we put our name on it, Jesus went to the cross for Adam Swallows. It makes it real personal, and we realize that he paid the ransom for me. Write on my heart every word, sweetest that ever was heard. God's word tells us on many occasions that we are to store up his word in our, in our hearts. In Proverbs and both Deuteronomy, but they, they both mention that. And the psalmist said in 119 verse 11, Thy word I have hidden in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the story of Jesus truly is one of the sweetest that ever could be heard. It's the one and only story that has true salvation and true victory found through Jesus. We're going to sing the third verse of this song, 249. As you can already see, these songs are filled with truth. Many quotes and many things that are in the songs are taken directly from God's word. Some are paraphrased, but let us think how we sing with the understanding when we sing this song. Number 24 will be our next song. Number 24, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Now the same lessons that we've just discussed in that story of Jesus are applicable and hold true with this song, but there are three different phrases or parts of that verse that I want to bring your attention to. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, That I have not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. If you're like me, you've heard this verse preached many times about the glories and riches that we're going to have in heaven, and that's true. But this is a verse that Paul quotes from the old prophet Isaiah. The blessings that I have not seen nor ear heard are the blessings that we have right now today in Jesus Christ. It's the word of God in its completeness that is our God. 1 Peter 2, 9 says that we as Christians, you as Christians, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. Have you ever stopped to consider that you're part of a royal priesthood? You have a direct line to God to pray to him, to give him thanks, and to ask him for things that you need or want. And not, not just that, we also have Jesus as our, as our Lord and Savior to talk to God for us in a more pleasing manner. The foretaste of glory divine we have available to us right now. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says that for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. In that third chapter of John, we encounter a man named Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. And our Lord told him that unless you're born of the water and the spirit, that you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We're born of that spirit and the blood through baptism. It's through baptism that we put on Christ, Galatians 3.27, and it's through baptism that we are washed in his cleansing blood, Romans 6, verses 1 through 6. Praising my Savior all the day long. There's always a reason to give God praise, to give him glory, and to give him honor. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in. There's always reasons to praise and honor God. The blessings that we find in Christ are immutable. They do not change. Now, it's easy to say that we can praise God when things are good. Have a good job, good family, everybody's safe and healthy. But what about when things are bad, even tragic? How do you praise God during those times? Job 30, verses 26 through 27 says this, But when I looked for good, evil came to me. And when I waited for light, then came darkness. My heart is in turmoil and cannot rest. Days of affliction confront me. Job found himself in a situation that most of us cannot even imagine the pain that he was feeling. And just six chapters later, this is what he had to say. Remember to extol his work. That word extol means to praise enthusiastically. Extol his work of which men have sung. We always have reasons to give, to give God praise and honor. No matter how things are bad or even tragic or even good, things in this life we know are temporary. James the writer said that our life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Things do change. Let's sing this song, the first verse, and let's remember and think about the blessed, the precious blessed assurance that we find in Jesus Christ. Number five will be our next song. Number five. There's two phrases that I want to highlight in this verse. The title of the song is, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. And the first verse reads like this. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. 
For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. And the story is told that Fanny Crosby, during her, her life, when she found herself in a very difficult situation financially, that somebody came along and gave her some money. And it was after this situation that she sat down and she wrote the words, All the way my Savior leads me. This song was a true testament to how she lived her life, using Christ as her guide. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Jeremiah 10, 10.23 says, And I know, Lord, that the way of man is not in himself to direct his paths. And Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. If we ever lose the sight and hope of using Christ and God as our only God, our end will be ultimate death, not just physical death, but spiritual death as well. And Paul told the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the patience of Christ. He encouraged those brethren to let God and to let Jesus direct their hearts, just like you and I should today, here by faith in Him to dwell. Now, each Christian here this morning is here because of your faith and because of your belief in God. We know that it is impossible to please God without our faith, Hebrews 11:6. It's when our faith gets weak that we are drawn away from God. It's not God that moves, it's us. But when our faith is strong, we remain close, close to Him and close to His Word. It's my hope that as we sing this song, that we can sing it with enthusiasm, that we're here by faith, and that we're in, in Him to dwell, that we can stay in Him to dwell. Let's sing the first verse and number five, All the way my Savior leads me. Number 348 will be our final song this morning. Number 348, Jesus is tenderly calling. And we're going to look at the first line of this song, the first verse. Jesus is tenderly calling, calling thee home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. And this song is, off, is also our invitation song. We'll be led by Brother Jeff at the end. Jesus said in Luke 9, 59, Follow me. Now there are those there that gave excuses. One said, Let me go back and first bury my father. And one said, Let me go back and bid farewell. But Jesus still said, Follow me. When we make that choice and that decision to follow Christ, to make Him our Lord and Savior, it's a choice of dedication and devotion, and everything that we do must turn away from that previous life of sin. There's no better time to respond to Christ than right here, right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says that today is the day of salvation. Sometimes it's easy for us to get the picture in our head of God being a dictator. He's there watching, waiting, just waiting for us to fumble, make a mistake, and sin. But is that what the New Testament really teaches about our Heavenly Father? You know, we've already mentioned John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son. But the very next verse, John 3.17, says this, For God did not send His Son to the world to condemn the world, but that, but that the world through Him might be saved. Our Heavenly Father wants us to be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4 said that God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
Jesus is tenderly calling you home in that figurative sense that he wants you to come to him and come home. Have you come home to Christ? Have you ever put Christ on in baptism? Just like that New Testament pattern of worship that we have, all the elements that make up of worshiping God in spirit and truth, he's also given us a pattern of how we are to be saved. If you've heard the word of God and you believe it with all your heart, you must confess that Jesus is the Son of God. You must repent of those sins in your life. And you must put on Christ in baptism. Galatians 3.27 and Acts 2.38. That's where you have the remission of sins. But maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe you've at one time put on Christ in your life. But you're like that prodigal son who's left. You've put other things before God. And just like that Father, our Heavenly Father, is calling you back home, waiting for you to come back home. This morning we have elders here that would be more than happy to talk with you, to pray with you, and we would rejoice in your decision to come forward. If you have a need to respond to the invitation, we ask that you do that now as we stand, as we sing. <laughs>